MSW Media. Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of The Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay. Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. Welcome back to Teacher Quit Talk. I'm Miss Redacted. I'm here with Miss Frazzled, and I'll let our guest introduce herself. I'm Ashley, sometimes known as Forward with Fun. Yay! I'm very excited to be here. I am so excited that you are here. I was obsessed with you before you were even a social media account. Like, I was following you just as a human. You were a Pinterest mom before you were a Pinterest mom, like, for real. Oh, thank you. It's so hard to think of myself as a Pinterest mom, but yeah, and I feel like Pinterest gets a bad rap of like trying to make everything look perfect but I love Pinterest because it's been a really like innocent way to share a lot of ideas without inviting a lot of mean criticism. I think that's brilliant. I feel like Pinterest is one of the last frontiers of the internet where it's still relatively anonymous like Pinterest is one of the few places where you can just get pretty like straightforward things where there's still like an element of purity to Pinterest and it's not like oh I'm actually gonna like come to your house because I hate the fact that you posted that. Not like TikTok where that That's pretty standard. Yeah, that scares me. No, Pinterest is great. It's far away, but it's also intentional because usually, except with the newer idea pins that they've been having, there's always a link to something. So it comes with a blog post where somebody purposely wrote that and knows a little bit more than just like, oh, well, my neighbor said this or that. It's very intentional and um, curated. It was definitely (laughs) my first venture into learning things on the internet. The medium is so easy. Like after Tumblr, Pinterest just made sense to me to like look at pictures and quotes and categorize them. And I have the most off the wall things from my early teaching days. There's a lot of chevron and burlap. Yeah, I love the TikTok trend where people that got married, we'll say 10 plus years ago, who had like very Pinterest weddings are posting the pictures of their aggressively Pinterest weddings. And it's really funny to see like how fast everything changes style wise. Absolutely. I should do that. Pinterest weddings is a must have like that was the reason to use Pinterest when I first got on there and I remember it was one of my room moms was like have you heard of this thing called Pinterest you can pin ideas to boards and I was like I don't I don't understand this and then I saw the wedding stuff and I was in yeah I'm gonna dream this up uh-huh. I did have a person in mind already but you're like I absolutely need a bedazzled cake yes. 100% twinkly lights everywhere oh, yeah. like maybe my dress would also need twinkly lights 
everything twinkly. I love a light-up dress. Like, if Disney can do it, why can't you have it at your wedding? You can do anything you want at your wedding. To your wedding. Unless you're me. Like, hay bales. Oh, my gosh. Hay bales were very Pinterest. Yes. This is so niche, but I remember my grandparents lived in this small town, and one time this old guy was complaining because, like, youths were coming onto his land to take pictures with his hay bales (laughs) for the internet, and he was like, they're not a prop. Those are difficult to make. And they were expensive to transport. (laughs) He was just gatekeeping hay bales. He was like, these kids are climbing, taking their little phone. I bet they were planking on them too, since that was probably the same time period. <laughs> like challenges. Not planking. Don't bring that up. Do you want to have your day ruined real quick? Yeah. yeah. Think about us looking back on this podcast in 10 or 15 years. Oh. Think about how that's going to feel. <laughs> Everything I do. I mean, that's the thing that age has brought me. Like the way that Gen Z is dressing right now, I'm like, that is going to age like milk. Whenever we look back at pictures, like from the 80s, from the 90s, the hair, the makeup, the clothes, whatever, that's so stereotypical for the time. And we're like, oh my God, that's so crazy. I can't believe they wore that. And because it's like so emblematic of that time. When that picture was taken, that was the fucking it girl look. Oh, yeah. So for you to be the it girl, you have to sacrifice your later self. That's the sacrifice you have to make. Like the Anastasia brow. Yes. Oh, my God. The Anastasia brow. When I was in seventh grade, the cool thing was to wear like a bandana and just tie it in the back. And my seventh grade yearbook photo, I'm wearing lime green velvet shirt that's like a zip up, which could come back now. Maybe somebody's wearing it as we speak. I would wear that today. But a lime green velvety flower printed bandana that matched the exact shade but it is so awful and I really thought I looked amazing. I bet you did. You did. I would wear that outfit. I feel like there's so many moments like that where I've looked back and been like that wasn't a good look but it was such a good look. Yes. At the time I was in my moment. No regrets. Did you guys do the handkerchief also instead of on your head then it like moved down onto your body and it was a shirt that was a handkerchief? That's fully back right now. My mom did not want me to do that my mom was into it (laughs) she was like yeah here I am jealous of everyone that can participate in that trend because it just like my body type said no to that immediately and it it looks so cute I'm like no like physically will not tie oh I think we had ones that had these little holes and then there was a tie that would tie it that's what we need I remember like the last day of some grade I had it under my shirt as a rebellion and then bell rang and I like pulled it off and I was like yeah I'm wearing this not allowed shirt at school Oh my gosh, that's incredible. I loved wearing not allowed stuff at school. On the last day of school, when I was in like 10th or 11th grade, girls weren't allowed to wear running shorts to school, but boys were. So we were like always up in arms about it. Because they were like, it's not a gendered rule. It's based on length. But you know, like the way they make girls shorts are like shorter than they make boys shorts usually. Right. And so all the girls were like, if we all wear running shorts, they can't dress code all of us. And it was early release on the last day of school so we were like this is totally gonna work nah they took every single one of us put us all in the gym and gave us numbers like we were at a deli to get dress coded (gasps) and call our parents one by one to bring us pants oh my god that's a baller move as a teacher I respect it as a student awful I remember my Latin teacher was like yeah keep doing this I don't think I've ever seen anything so egregious that I've ever dress coded a kid. I feel like it's hilarious that they were like, no, no, we're going to have this power struggle right now. (laughs) Definition of a power struggle. You know, like you have your friend group and like adjacent, there's like this Venn diagram. Periphery friend groups. The periphery friend group had the idea they should all get 
drunk on the last day of school because they can't all get in trouble. You definitely can. They definitely yep. did. It's possible. Yeah, they were like, you're not walking in graduation. Like in the morning before they went? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's harsh. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Silly gooses. <laughs> this is why you're in friend group B. <laughs> Case in point, right now. I hope that you did call them silly gooses. <laughs> you're like, you silly gooses with your underage alcohol consumption. Believe me, I was in somebody's field. I was definitely not making fun of them for drinking alcohol just I was like why are you doing it at school dumbasses people are always surprised to hear this but I was very straight edge like aggressively straight edge I was thinking about this the other day I was straight edge for only the term of time before I was invited to do anything bad and then the (laughs) second I was invited to a party I was like oh I'm not that anymore I was thrilled I think to be straight edge you have to like actively try not to partake I was definitely straight edge I was so straight edge the first time I was invited to to a party where there was alcohol it was like maybe 10 30 and I called my dad and I said I need you to come pick me up because there are substances here that we're not supposed to have and I just remember looking back on that kid my parents had so many restrictions on me and none on my little sister but I was the best kid and now as a mom I'm like there's no child of mine that's going to be that straight edge like there's no way I'm gonna get that kid as my kid but I would have liked me as a kid absolutely (laughs) such a good listener my parents had no rules and I could have gotten away with murder like the way I was absolutely unmonitored but I was a workaholic so I was not at parties because I was like oh I'm at work always working what was your high school in a a restaurant working at all times Uh, at a restaurant I worked at Baskin Robbins as my high school very short term short term job you mean you didn't want to make the Baskin Robbins career path for you I didn't and I was also I used to be terrible at the yogurt machine then Pinkberry comes a couple years later and I was a master do you guys remember the frozen yogurt craze when for a time there like literally every other storefront was a frozen yogurt store Mm -hmm. I I enjoyed my husband was just talking about this it's important I lived in in the middle of absolutely nowhere and we never had one. So the first time I ever saw one was there's one called 16 Handles in New York City and I was obsessed. I thought it was the coolest thing you've ever seen because I had never seen anything. It's amazing. I'm still into the Froyo situation. Oh yeah, so good. I'm still a fan. It's always good. But life hack for anyone on a budget, my sister discovered this, so gotta give the cred to her. When she was in college, she would go to Froyo places and just put fruit in the cup to get cheap fruit without having to buy like a giant thing because she had a mini fridge. And she said that they got really mad at her and told their manager and the manager was like, well, technically it's build your own. Like if she wants to just get strawberries and pineapples, that's fine. So if you want fruit, but you have a limited space and funds, just (laughs) rob a frozen yogurt place. Work that teacher budget. It's the Department of Education's new stance for teachers to maintain a healthy diet. Please start doing your grocery shopping at your local pink berry. I hate this place. (laughs) Ashley, let's talk about your teaching career. Did you teach? What's what's going on there? Tell us everything. (laughs) Okay, I started teaching in 2010. I taught TK back before TK was like a really big thing that everybody knew about. TK stands for transitional kindergarten. And for us, they basically said, this is kindergarten and the kids are going to do kindergarten again. So teach it as if you want them to have learned all the kindergarten standards with you. And then they're going to learn it in a new way. And if they didn't master it, that's fine because they're going to have this other chance. And it was the best job. I was at such an incredible school and I taught for four years 
was there and then I took a long break and now I'm back and I'm an interventionist in kindergarten specifically at a very large school where my kid also goes. So I'm kind of living this dream life of being able to go to school with my kid and then next year I'll have both my kids at my school and I'm teaching specifically the grade that I love and adore which is kindergarten and getting to use all of my skills from that. I am so jealous. I think that that is the coolest journey. What a dream. It is a dream. They were like, hey, we really need substitutes. Do you think you could substitute? I heard that you used to teach or something. It ended up being so perfect. But first I was like, I don't know if I could sub. And then I got roped into subbing. I subbed one day and my wonderful principal was like, I actually have something you're going to like way more, but it's every day. And she really pointed out that it would give me the balance of like mommy life, but also being able to teach again. And I think my online Pinterest stuff and my online like kindergarten curriculum that I created really gave me the confidence that I needed to go back into teaching after not being there for a long time to say, yeah, I do. I am an expert in this. I actually know what I'm talking about. You can bring me your kid and they will leave reading. Like I got this. Not in one day. Never. Well, not with that attitude. (laughs) (laughs) I think though when I left the time span of me being gone from teaching to then jumping into during COVID, I started creating all this curriculum to share online for families and on social media, I did not feel like I had the skills anymore to do what I was doing. And that's definitely not the case. I know we talk a lot about like returning to teaching if that's something that teachers want to do and they definitely can. And it comes back. It's like riding a bike. And there's also so many new things and having really good colleagues that trust you and want you to participate. That helps you pick up on things that you might have missed in the years before. So I'm really fortunate to have all of those supports in place. Awesome colleagues who are like, yes, and here's this other thing that happened while you were gone for eight years. Yes, totally. I want to hear about what you did in those eight years with your Pinterest fame and your creating curriculum and apparently just like holding the American education system together. (laughs) Definitely not. Uh, Yes. Um, I didn't do that much. I went to work with my dad in real estate for a while and then I created my own leasing company that was really helpful for me to have like flexibility because I ended up and I kind of knew this was going to happen needing fertility treatments in order to get pregnant I was still subbing for my friends because my previous school was so awesome and they'd be like ah I can't get a sub can you come so I would come down and I was on a sub job for three days and on the third day wasn't at school but I I hated not going and completing my sub job with my previous students and so it was just a lot of grieving that situation afterwards and then starting fertility again and all of this is so stressful as a teacher because if I were in my own classroom having a and I have friends who have gone through fertility issues and been classroom teachers finding a sub and not getting reamed for the number of days that you have to leave and you don't get to pick what day that this is going to be like when your endometrial layer is the thickest or whatever you know it's it's not a flexible situation and so I was really blessed to be in a job where I could be like, I got to go do <laughs> do this right now and focus on that. And I knew that I wanted to stay at home mom for a little while. And I continued leasing when I had my first kid and it was just going so crazy because I'm a super people pleaser kind of person. I wanted everyone to like me. I wonder... <laughs> there's anybody else like that here me too 
maybe some other people, even within this podcast, might relate to that. <laughs> we love when people like us. <laughs> yeah, I feel so seen whenever you mention it on the podcast because that is so me too. And I was trying to control people's experiences of apartments when they're going through really difficult times in their lives and they're calling about crazy stuff that I cannot control. Or it was just, I felt so icky as opposed to at school when I was a teacher, I literally had like such joy with these children. These parents were awesome. They were super involved. I felt like I was a celebrity on the campus every day and people would call me to say nice things or I just want you to know you're like a third parent to our child. Like things that meant so much and I still carry those things with me today. So then I was going from that to this other very flexible job that was more lucrative, but just not having that joy and not having any education in it. I felt very powerless. And so when I had my second kid, I was like, ooh, I'm taking a break from this too and I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom for a while. Then COVID happened. As someone who went from education to real estate, it is a hard drop-off of joy to yelling. <laughs> yes. No, more yelling. Especially when you want people to like you. Exactly. I'm like, oh my God, just stop yelling. I'm sorry it didn't sell. Like, it's going to be okay. Can you just be excited about the email signature? Like, I understand you lost a million dollars. Can we get excited? Let's change our perspective, please. So I feel like COVID is really when I started to get to know you and like everything that you were doing just from like me teaching at home. I was really excited because you started sharing all of these hands-on activities for the age group that I was teaching. Once COVID started, I had a one and a half year old and just about four year old at home and she was going to miss the end of her pre-K year and I thought this is my time with her to make it count and I felt lucky that of all of the grades of school that she was going to miss it was before elementary and that it was a year where I'm like I know this year so I started my Instagram forward with fun it was originally (laughs) called quarantini tots just to share with my friends like here's how I'm going to entertain my kids at home because when COVID first happened they're like you'll have to be at home for two weeks and that was like a death sentence to me I thought there's no way I could be trapped in a house with them for two weeks and have to entertain them because I was like at the zoo at the park play date all in one day I never stopped for a second when you stop is when the children get you you gotta keep them on the move it was terrifying you gotta keep them booked and bothered 100% and so that they cannot like totally mess up your whole house because once they start walking fras they're gonna exactly like they will rip the walls from inside and then destroy all of your items they're great they're great everybody should have kids but also don't have them (laughs) no they were so awesome but like they also don't have good self-preservation instinct to say the very least they're like the counter seems like an amazing jumping off point (laughs) if i could just get up there my child's trying to face plant out of her crib because she sees the dog down there and all she's thinking is oh well i want to be where he is as fast as possible (laughs) self-preservation is definitely not a strong suit being trapped with children that are not only mobile but like fully trying to harm themselves (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a lot it was a lot 
but I was really stressed out. So I was in that situation thinking two weeks is gonna be hell and then thinking, wow, I really like children and I choose to spend my time with children generally. Like, what are the other parents gonna do? Maybe I could share some ideas online because a lot of my friends were like, oh gosh, what if my kid is gonna be behind now? And just the fact that they thought that shows that they're not gonna be behind because their parents were worried about what they're accomplishing in pre-K. So way to go to those parents. Same thing I said to mine. Yes. The parents were dealing with so much though in that time and I was lucky I wasn't working, but trying to work while entertaining your kid or this or that. We're having to use more screens and things were getting a little bit crazy and it was a really stressful time. Side note, during like 2020, pretty early on, my friend was trying to work from home with her children present. She was like talking to her manager about it because her manager was like, you really haven't been productive. You've missed a couple deadlines. Like what's going on? And she was like, I just am really having a hard time getting stuff done because the kids are always around me. They always need something. I just don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. She lives in New York. So her kids are like two inches away from her at all times. And her out of touch ass boss goes, you just have to shut that office door and focus. (laughs) She was like, what is this door that you're speaking of? We don't have a door around here. So I really don't know how parents homeschooled. I don't know. We were so lucky to have space. My husband continues to work from home and he does have his own room to work from. And yet still my older daughter would bust in on his meetings, maybe not fully clothed and be like, dad. But like when you're doing your work at your kitchen table, of course you're going to see naked babies. And that's just part of life. They're going to be there. They're going to be screaming. It's going to be loud. It is what it is. It is what it is. And you're getting that look into people's houses. Things are just going to happen. Yeah. I saw somebody's naked grandma once. Oh, um, like rocket queen. <laughs> Good for you, girl. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, so these these parents that were being held hostage by their children, <laughs> you were there to create resources to entertain the children. How do you entertain a kid of that age? So many ways. But what I thought was the parents who are really worried about their academic development are also probably working or they have other things going on. So what if I could just teach kids how to read and do arithmetic and all the kindergarten skills in only 20 minutes a day with like a game or a hand on activity that's really engaging because a lot of my friends were going to Teachers Pay Teachers really smart. They were looking up like packets and worksheets and then they're like, oh, he doesn't want to do it. So boring. My kid hates learning. And I thought, okay, well, I don't want them to ever hate learning, but especially not when they have their whole lives ahead of them where they're supposed to be going to school and enjoying it and thriving and blossoming. So what can I do to make learning the most fun? And let's take this negative where we're not in a class which is the ideal setting for students whose parents chose that and take that one-on-one time with the parent and really focus on these skills and try to see if we can meet the most important standards obviously not replace like a whole kindergarten year but let's get them reading let's get them to learn their alphabet sounds and do all these phonemic awareness skills and so I started sharing a couple ideas of hands-on games for example I was like oh everybody has post-its so let's do a ton of stuff with post-its like put a bunch of alphabet letters on the wall not the whole alphabet you know pick out the letters the kids don't know and get your fly swatter and now we're gonna call out letter names and hit the letters and then now we're gonna call out letter sounds and now we're gonna say words that start with those letters and they have to hit them and kids love that they have permission to hit something who doesn't love that right now let's use the post-its for something else like a letter hunt through the house or a relay race where they have to match numbers on the post-it notes and how can we make this affordable with the stuff you 
already have because I wasn't going to the grocery store and it was hard to get a delivery to my house and make it fun for the kids. And I also really wanted to bring a piece of education to the parents about how to assess your child, how to use the information of what they know and don't know to inform what you work on with them so that you're not wasting time on stuff they already know and like freaking out about putting the whole alphabet on the wall. They probably know these letters, so let's focus on the next six or whatever. So that was how it started. And then a friend called me and said, I think you could make this into a business. And what if we make it a subscription service where parents will get weekly emails and they can subscribe month by month to get these hands-on learning activities because all you really have to do is just read the instructions. And then if you have the post-it notes and the blue tape or whatever, then you can teach and you get these fun moments with your kids. And you also have like your teacher toolbox, you know, of ideas to use to entertain them that are screen free because we're going to be using the screens for other stuff babysitting while we're having our meetings absolutely like I cannot overstate for anybody listening how involved kindergarten parents are just because it's typically the first venture that their child has into the public education world and it can be very scary it's like are they going to be able to read are they going to be behind and I would be like if everybody's quote-unquote behind then nobody is behind because we are all home there's not like a handful of kids that are in the classroom and you're not missing out on anything like behind what right I love how you use things that are already on hand the things that you put out are so intentional and manageable it's just smart teaching at home and I I think it's really cool I also love that you're not like here's 900 things you have to buy yeah because I feel like so often when you look things up online the first couple things you click you're like well I don't have that I don't have that I don't have that Mm -hmm. and like a lot of things are just so involved yeah social media is a part of that too with wanting things to like look a certain way with all these cool colors and supplies and matchy matchy and whatever so I think it's like a really needed thing for people to just have things you can put together relatively quickly with stuff you have around you and not have to waste like time money gas materials all of that yeah for sure Mm -hmm. if people were gonna subscribe to this I tried to make it like the most minimal and then that's where we went from there and so I had to really be creative with the materials that I had and it ended ended up being so great because I was able to create all of these things for others, but also do it with my kids. And my then one and a half, two-year-old started jumping in on the games and suddenly she knew all her letters and I barely taught her, you know, and that's not the goal for two-year-olds to know that. But if it was like a side benefit of this it was so awesome because I was unintentionally setting her up for success and what I didn't anticipate was that I created a little Facebook group so I could pick the brains of the parents that were doing it I want to say parents but it was all moms somebody yelled at me about my website saying like hey moms blah 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 and they're like it could be dads too I'm like yeah but it's not yeah like well well, then where are they yeah are the dads in the room with us right now yeah there are definitely dads that do a lot of educative stuff with their kids but they're not here in this program yeah we address no men in this podcast because there's like 12 of them that watch so hey men what's up men i'm gonna make my husband listen to it though so that'd be one more he's a part of the five percent if you're a man leave your favorite emoji in the comment section right now we don't think you're here if you're a woman if you're non-binary leave an emoji to describe men (laughs) 
We'll be waiting. Amazing. Amazing. Let's see who wins. No, so, right. anyway. So the moms. You're saying on Facebook you were picking the brains of the moms in the program. They were like, yeah, I need this to be short. I need it to be quick. And I need my kid to absolutely love it or it's a no-go. And so they would kind of tell me, like, this one didn't work. Toss it. Or I want something that's more like this other thing that we did. And it was so helpful. And I ended up having, unexpectedly, a lot of teachers, even, like, primary school teachers join the program because they're like, well, I don't know kindergarten. I know first grade and I want to make sure my kid can do all of these things in this year that we're missing. Mm. And I was like, cool. Well, that's a vote of confidence. And Mm -hmm. it was really helpful to me to feel like my own people were saying like, yes, you are creating good stuff and it is needed in this world because it's kind of lonely on your own when you're just like, I'm going to hustle and I'm going to make this into a thing. And you don't really get face to face with those people that you're serving. Totally. I also don't know why my brain envisioned this, but when you were saying how the moms were telling you what their kids were liking and not liking, I was envisioning like a four or five-year-old, how like style blogger, like this season, what's in is stickers, fly swatters, (laughs) the color purple. What's out is magic Play-Doh, sand. It just makes me laugh to think about like little kids being that discerning of their like made just for you engaging learning games where they're like, "Mm, this sticker one was good but the fly swatter one was better you would be shocked i want that feedback i feel like five-year-olds have given me that feedback oh 100 they've been like that doesn't really work miss last year i was teaching my daughter's class and i was so excited because it was the first time that she was going to be in one of my groups i created this awesome it was a forward with fun activity that i brought and i prepped there were post-its and they had to do a word search around the room, pick up their word, Mm. I think like categorize it to the word family and stick it on there, but they got to run around the room and it was awesome. I 100% still believe in this activity. And at the end, I had all the kids sit down on the rug and I go, okay, you know, this is really exciting for me to be able to teach in your classroom. I want to know how you felt about this activity. Is this something you would want to do again? If you really like it, give me a thumbs up. If you don't like it, give me a thumbs down. And if it was just okay give me a sideways thumb and every kid was like thumbs up and my daughter is like middle thumb it's probably because she knows your true potential and she's like i've seen you at your best and this was not it we needed 24 fly swatters <laughs> what were you doing mom i told you the color purple for post-its that is such a common theme in teacher parents we can wow a class of 30. Not many people know this about me. I consider myself the nap queen. If your kids in your class aren't going down for nap time, I could get them to go to sleep. Side note, but here's what you do. Not only do you gaslight them into thinking they're sleepy, you're walking around the room, you're narrating, you're like, oh my gosh, friends, you're so tired. You're sleepy. You're playing in the background like <laughs> like that 720 HZ miracle tone <laughs> music from Spotify. That shit is on like 11. It's like The room is vibrating. <laughs> So the key, and I learned this from my friend Valerie, I don't know where she learned it. The key is the sticker fairy. You carry around a pack of stickers and you say, 
if you are so still that I think you might be asleep, the sticker fairy will come and visit you. And while they are just like laying there, you drop a sticker on their hand if they're quiet. And if there's somebody next to them on their mat and they see that somebody got a sticker, they're immediately like, I can get anybody's class asleep. You should make teacher nap time ASMR. I think this would do very well. (laughs) I think if you made Spotify recordings of you with the (laughs) in the background and then you were like, friend, you're getting so sleepy. I think people would use that. (laughs) Fraz, did you have nap time in kindergarten? I did at my old school because we had school from 7.15 to 4.15. Is that legal? So they had a nap time. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're allowed to have nap time in kindergarten. I used to always tell my early Head Start kids that hated nap time, I'd be like, well, when you're big and you're in kindergarten, no one's going to make you take a nap. So you only have to (laughs) nap time right now. So night night. That's what I thought. So now my district that I was at last year, they went from half day to full day kindergarten for the very first time. And they have like rest time, but they don't have quite as long of a day. So they have to like rest. Mm. Anyways. So all this, I know. So all this to say, (laughs) I've heard this from teacher parents a lot. We're like, you are very capable of like commanding a classroom of of students and they love you. They adore you. Like you said, you're a celebrity every day. And then your child is like not impressed. Mediocre. No, no. My mother has a theory about this. Oh, yeah. My mom has this theory that no matter what your mother is doing, you don't think it's impressive because it's your mom. And you're just like hardwired to be that way. And she like developed this theory because a friend of a friend of hers is a in utero pediatric neurosurgeon. It's either like neuro or lung, something absolutely insanely difficult of a job. And like a hero. Yes, literally. She's like one of the few people in the US that does it. People have to like fly to see her, like so impressive. She was going to the parent-teacher conference of her child and the teacher was like oh yeah I'm really excited to talk to you because you also work in child care and she was like what are no I don't like what are you talking about and she was like oh your daughter has always said my mom works with babies that's all she <laughs> says about your job my mom does public speaking a lot and I've always been really comfortable with it a one-on-one conversation makes me want to bury my head into the sand but I feel like whatever you've seen your mother doing you're like that's not hard I can do that it's just like immediately not not impressive to you. So that makes sense that teacher kids would be like, okay. And what else? <laughs> Give me the old razzle dazzle, mom. I think your theory is spot on. Even this year, I got to do like a guest spot in her class. And then on our way home, I was like, wasn't it so cool? I never teach first grade. She goes, I thought it would be more fun. Oh, my gracious. Mm-hmm. She's hilarious. She's a star. She's a definitely musical theater child. You for got sure. exactly what you could have ever dreamed of. She is everything I said I wanted. Do you still have your pod and do you still send them the things? And is that still happening? On the Facebooks? I do like the subscription. Yeah. Like, are you still making your content online? How is it going? I don't want to say post COVID because that'll never happen, but you know what I'm I trying know to what say. You mean. Post us being forced to go back right. to where we are now. To pretend that nothing's wrong. Yeah. Yes, everything kind of evolved over time with kids going back to school. And so I still have my four to five year old subscription for hands on learning at home. But then somebody called me up and said, I want 
one activity a week because I'm a working mom and I don't have time to do this when I get home, but I want to be like a weekend warrior. I want to do something that'll make me look cool, even though that might be impossible as a mom, but like, like get cool credit with you, but also that helps you learn on the weekend. So I created like a weekend warriors program. And then the big thing that I was getting a lot of, like, can you help me get my kid ready for kindergarten? I ended up like privately working with different people who heard about the program, but they wanted it more specific for their child's either special needs or medical needs and like modified for them. And then I thought, oh, well, what if I created like a kindergarten readiness program that was just like a two month thing that you could do in the summer, but that's ended up kind of taking off and people are doing it just during the year because they're like, oh, I wonder where my kid is and if they have the skills to be ready. There's this whole obsession with like readiness for kindergarten. And though, yes, I want kids to come in with a really solid, foundation I also don't want parents to feel stressed like it doesn't have to be this big giant thing that you're either ready or you're not like it's your teacher's job to help you get where you need to go it's not like on the first day of kindergarten there's like you walk in and they're like "Mm, not ready turn around to the minds you go you can't come in (laughs) it is quite the obsession though yes it's a big thing even like homework my parents would always be asking me like why isn't so-and-so getting homework and I'm like because they're five and like they're fine I know redacted you're anti-homework right for elementary I'm staunchly anti-homework other than choice reading I think choice reading is a great thing to be doing at home for high school I am anti-homework except for homework as a punishment for bad time management so I would always assign the amount of work that I felt was appropriate for them to get done in my 90 minute class period if they were being on task and efficient and if you chose to not be on task and efficient, that's your problem, my friend. So I would usually have our classwork be due the class period after I assigned it. And I had some kids who did all of the work for my class at home. So I'm kind of like, that's my stance on homework, especially because I feel like at a lot of high schools, like the one I went to, you're just doing rigorous work all day and then your brain is just really tired. So you need to be engaging in a different activity. So to me, if like there is homework, it needs to be something that's purposeful and not just more of what you're doing at school. Cause like when I was in school, I remember I would get home and try and do my homework and I was just so tired of reading. Like I'd just been reading dead boring material all day that my brain was just tired of that and I'm sure there's other muscles in my brain that I could have been working like problem solving and creativity things so I'm like on a scale of one to ten ten being staunchly anti-homework I would say I'm like an eight I think that kindergarten mm-mm no on the homework. At my previous school where I had my own classroom, we were required to do a homework packet. Same. So you would have to have like a Monday through Thursday. But then I had a lot of super involved parents that wanted additional stuff or especially if their kid was higher performing, they wanted something more challenging, Mm -hmm. which I get. But then I would also slip something in the packet for kids who needed a little bit extra practice. And it was so tedious. And I loved that school, but just homework for that age group is basically either 
completely done by the parents. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> or, or it was just silly, like busy work. Like I'm really not anti-worksheet. I get worksheets have a place, but I want things to be hands-on. I want kids to love it. And with homework and the worksheets and the sitting there and you have to do it because your teacher said so, it makes kids not like it. And that I'm not into that. I think it kind of robs kids of a love of learning. And the part of homework that really bothers me as a teacher is it can create such a rift between kids and their parents. Mm, yep. Mm-hmm. I think it can cause so much tension and so much stress for both parties involved. My parents were lucky and I was lucky to be in the position that they, when I was in middle school and really struggling with math and had a lot of homework every night and I was just really having a hard time, that after like three weeks of helping me, my parents were like, we're hiring a tutor because this is like destroying our relationship with you. Like you're crying, you're stressed, we're stressed, this is terrible. I hear that a lot. I did it on my own. My parents were like, we don't know this language and it's just all too hard. I think my dad always tells this story where it was maybe first or second grade and I needed help with a problem and I walked up to him and I said, can you help me with this? And he said, okay. And he like had this look on his face and I said, dad, are you sweating? It's okay. I'll do it on my own. And I just walked away <laughs> and I found like different surrogate parents, my friend's parents who are American born who were like, oh yeah, I'll help you with their homework here or there. And it was really great. Like they all helped me. And my dad is wonderful and very smart, but yeah, it's just, it's very different across cultures too. As a parent, not as a teacher, what do you think of parents who are like, I'm just not going to do the homework with my kid. See, this is, you know what, Ashley? This is a comment on TikTok that I have been actually avoiding answering over and over again. People ask me and I'm like, I'm not going to answer that. But it's a good question because here's the thing. Okay, I don't answer. No answer. No, I'll answer it. This is the right forum. Um <laughs> I think it is so disrespectful. There's a line for me where it's like, as an adult, I stand in front of back to school night and I'm like, I don't give a shit if your kid does their homework. I really don't. I think it's more important that you're reading and spending time together as a family. I don't care if this packet comes back done because I'm going to throw it away. You're going to bring the packet to me. I'm going to receive it and throw it in the trash. I'm not even going to flip through it. And I tell them that. I don't say shit, but you know, I'm pretty candid about it. But there are parents that want the extra practice. I am required to give it. I'm not going to pretend like I'm thrilled about it. But I do think there is a certain way to talk about your kid's teacher in front of them. Barring any sort of like extreme negligence, abuse, like something going on in the classroom that's just not okay. That's separate. I'm talking about like your run of the mill, like your teacher asked you to do homework. Do not sit in front of your kid and be like, this is bullshit. You're not doing homework. But if a parent comes to me, adult to adult, and they're like, hey, this isn't working for our family. Like I work night shift. Like I just can't make this work. I'm like, okay, totally fine. Like let's work out something else or or nothing at all. Maybe it's just totally fine to just say, forget it. I would prefer to handle it that way versus instilling in a child's brain that it's okay to disrespect the teacher. Like that's just my personal take. And I'm sure because I am the way that I am, there is no way that Jay is gonna have 100% wonderful teachers that I am gonna be like, gold stamp. A plus, but I'm not gonna look at Jay and be like, your teacher's an idiot. Like that's not gonna be a thing. Right. Yeah. This doesn't help. Me with my non-existent children, I feel the same way. I would definitely be the parent that not even for reasons like my work schedule, I would just be like, we don't do homework in this house because I just like as a person don't believe in that. But my child would never know that there was a rift between me and their teacher. I'd be like, me and Bestie discussed it and you're exempt. 
Like, no email threads exist. Absolutely. Is this a good time to tell my child's teacher that we are not doing homework this year? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would. I fully would. I'm obsessed with my child's teacher. I think she's so cool. And I was like, even last year in kindergarten, I was like, I've already planned to be best friends with you, (laughs) whether or not like you knew me, we're going to be best friends. And then we ended up colleagues and, and it worked out. But then with her first grade teacher who has been giving out homework, I legit have never had her sit down to do it. And I keep meaning to bring it up and say, we're just not going to do it. But not to be disrespectful, obviously, but just because I think choice reading is a better thing for where where she is at her level. I look through the packet. I'm like, okay, if she needs to know any of these skills and she doesn't already know them, we'll review them. But I still am like, I haven't talked to her about the why. And I talk to her all the time. It just hasn't (laughs) come up. And I'm like, I don't know if I was nervous to be like, hey, I'm just not going to do homework or it just keeps slipping my mind. But maybe I'll tell her tomorrow or maybe she'll listen to this podcast. Or maybe you don't tell her. I mean, there's also the adult thing of just not doing something and not talking about it. <laughs> That's so adult. It's so and adult. And you also <laughs> never know. She could have the same stance as Fraz and be in the same situation where she's like, yeah, I'm required to give this packet, but I don't even check it. So she might not even know. Or if you told her, she might be like relieved and be like, oh, thank God. I noticed she wasn't doing it I really didn't want to have to talk about it with you because I don't actually care yeah. that's probably what it is and, but I just keep being like whenever we do get it, I'm like let me see this packet okay I think I'm gonna have you read stuff instead and always to be respectful to my children's teachers and I have been so lucky that they're all people that I genuinely think are so awesome at teaching that I could learn so much from but yeah God help me if I get someone I don't feel that way about. Totally same. I think the argument is always it teaches responsibility. I do not think that it does uh, personally at that age level. I think when you get older, sure. But like in kindergarten? I think it's a good way to review stuff or to communicate in the younger grades. It's different in older grades, obviously. But it's a communication piece between home and school. And so if the parents see the homework, they know what you're working on. And then they can reinforce that at home in any way that they choose to do. But how many parents are going to do that? I don't know. We will. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I see you are at the blends part. The ones in this podcast. Number bonds. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. We will. And so that's what... Get the hula hoops, baby. (laughs) I get so excited like, oh, how do you feel about this? (laughs) Vowel teams. You're subtracting now? Your child's like, I've been dealing with bullshit all day. She's like, I've been dealing with number bonds all day. And now in the comfort of my home, you're going to bring this up? In kindergarten, I just love the milestones. Like I go, I love going from one-to-one correspondence to like simple addition and number bonds. Mm, it's beautiful. And then when they're subtracting, I wrote a song about subtracting and it is really good. It's sing it. Drop the single. It's to Post Malone's Sunflower. Needless to say, I can subtract. <laughs> and I forget the rest of it. Aww. I'll just send you the lyrics and sing it for you and perform. Please do. It's really fun when they can do that but like I do agree it's such a good communicative piece it's like oh look you're doing this now cool you're doing that but obviously like parents will always be like well not every teacher is like you and I'm sure that you're like me where we're like always talking to my parents I'm always posting on dojo I send home so much stuff like just 
messaging out because especially with common core i want them to know why we're teaching it this way and why this is like a new thing and i don't want them to feel like this isn't how we did it like screw this i want them to be a partner with me and then people will always say well my kid's teacher wasn't like that so i was this way towards them and i will agree like i don't have the life experience to fill in those gaps because i'm not like that i'm not a parent with a kid in school but at the same time it's like I still maintain that shit talking your child's teacher in front of your child is not necessarily good in any way no it's definitely not it's confusing Me and my mom used to like psychoanalyze my teachers and be like mm, this probably happened to her and that's why she's like this like <laughs> It's like a level above shit talk. My mom always went in and like raised hell. My mom was a Karen with me because I'm the youngest. So with my sister, she was like, I can't be too much of a Karen because then they'll hate me and I got to get another one through this bitch. Oh, I love that. But like by my senior year, she was in that office. Mine wasn't, and I kind of don't think that she ever felt invited to the party. I think, you know, that there's like a PTA mom culture of parents who do everything for the school, and the school really loves them, and they're like the go-to moms, and then there are a lot of moms who are like, oh, maybe I would if I felt invited, but in my experience as a first generation American and also as somebody who works at a title one school where most of the kids don't speak English as their primary language I feel like we have to work really hard to invite parents not just say like oh yeah the door's open Mm -hmm. but reach out and say we want you as our teammate because you know your child better than anyone and if you're not on board if you're shit talking the teacher there's no way this time is going to be worth it at all it needs to be a partnership and so I love parents and I love communicating with them and I think that they're the people who are like you've always said who are going to advocate for us and for their kids Ashley as usual you just like say shit from my brain you're an extension of my body like anything Ashley says just pretend I'm like in the background like yeah that like yes (laughs) i love you i also think what you're saying about like parents not feeling invited in this pta mom culture i also feel like there's such like a stereotype and an archetype of how to be involved and it's such a high level of involvement that most people who work and have a full-time job cannot do that so i think creating like really accessible ways to be involved that are not a massive commitment so because it's really easy to look at someone who's hosting all the brunches bringing the little cute things they stayed up all night making at drop off every day and you're like well i can't do that so I guess I can't be involved at all so I think like schools need to do a good job of making opportunities that are a five minute commitment a five hour commitment a five day commitment like things across the spectrum of ways to engage that don't require every second of your life and also side note I hate how a lot of school events are at like and I understand logistics are a thing I get get there's reasoning behind everything but from like a parent perspective I feel awful when schools have events that are in the middle of the day because are you supposed to drop your your child off at school leave come back leave again and then come back again to pick them up like it like so many of the ways that we schedule things are just like not conducive to family and community involvement yes 100 yes it's so important and you know it really doesn't matter how we connect there's nothing at all in my brain that's like that parent has never come to school like i really don't care because i know that they love their child i know that they want the best for their child they're working like i'm working when i have a child if i'm teaching i'm not going to be 
be able to leave in the middle of the day if she's at a different school and go to her Christmas concert because I'll have my own kids at school. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stigmas that exist and we have to like mindfully break those. We do. I would have so many parents show up to parent-teacher conferences and say, I feel so guilty as a working parent. I can't provide the same level of help to you as this mom. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You are an emotional support. You brought in those like things you cut for me that one time and saved me from doing busy work. Like there are so many ways to be a support to your child's teacher besides being in the classroom. And of course we adore parents who can come and support and do class parties, but that's not the only way to help your kids teacher just the support of talking nicely about them that is supporting the teacher and that's up to the teacher to create that as well with the parents like one of my things I would always do the first week I could see who my troublemakers were gonna be and I would try to focus on like things they did in the classroom that I really liked and I would write an email home to the parent like I just want to say I really enjoyed working with your kid this week they did this and this and this and I hope to build a partnership with you in the future and that was like the kind of thing they needed from me like okay you're gonna be on my side and it was genuine stuff it wasn't bullshit it was like I see these things and then later when I brought up issues that were happening they were gonna give me the benefit of the doubt because they know it's not an us against them and that's like a whole thing I always see in lots of different schools it's us as the teachers against them as the parents and it shouldn't be that way I'm both and and we need each other we really need each other to not burn out as teachers and to help the kids get to that next level it's going to take those parents to say yes I'm going to support you in that behavior plan or in making sure I do letter swat it on the wall with them like a couple times each week to to get them up there because we all just want the same thing which is for our kids to excel and thrive yes same team I think a lot of people in secondary are also really hesitant to like try and build parent relationships and it's definitely something that I wish I had done uh, more of I feel like the ones I had were great it was I had quality over quantity mentality and I wish I was able to make more of them but I have saw a lot of other secondary teachers who would be like oh I don't want to bother them like I don't want to do a positive call home I don't want to interrupt them or whatever but I saw I think more dramatic than I experienced experienced with the little kids that I worked with when I did positive calls home for teenagers because almost every single time that I did it I would get such an emotional reaction and I had a mom cry on the phone with me literally within five minutes and she said I've never received a positive call about my child at school their entire life and they were 17 and like that mom she would have done anything for me at that point and that kid was always an angel in my class so like especially in upper grades where like they probably haven't had a super strong teacher connection in recent history just because that's kind of the nature of upper grades I think a lot of secondary teachers feel like it's going to be harder to build the relationship but in my experience it can kind of be easier because they're like the parents are more open to it and like oh my god you're calling me no one calls me Oh, yeah. Oh, that's such a sweet story. I love that because I don't know what it looks like to do parent interactions in in the upper grades, and it clearly meant so much to them. That was like my second year teaching, I think, and that's when I started to prioritize parent relationships a lot more. My first year, I didn't really have any, and then my second year, after I experienced that, it was pretty early on in the year, too. I was like, wow, this is a really powerful tool that I have not been using, and after that, I tried to be better about it. So parents founded my last school, and so they were like, the parents have 
have a lot of input at this school and you need to listen to them. And so I took that in and what I heard was you should make sure that you bond with the parents by taking them out to karaoke each year and making sure they get really drunk and have a good time. But you stay sober because you're the teacher and you're a professional. I love that idea. Our parents would get so close. We we did it every year and it was like insane fun. Some of the best nights of my life because then we became from like a class of strangers. We became like this family and those parents are still leaders in that school because they felt like they really belonged and they were invited to literally the party. I love that. When I go back, I'm going to do parents that. Parents are our partners. The literal party. It was the best. My first class of parents kind of invited me to the party because it was a very like close-knit school. I had four room moms because they all wanted to be room moms and I couldn't pick. So I was like, okay, you can all be room moms. You had sister wife room moms? Yeah, I didn't want to tell them no. And they were like, well, I'll do class parties. I'll do busy work. I'll do that. Like they delegated amongst themselves. And I was like, that's amazing. When I was in kindergarten, my mom was half a room mom. All the other room moms didn't work. And her and another working mom each took two Fridays a month. They were like, we'll be part-time room moms together. That is awesome. Oh, I love room moms. They would invite me to like park days and ice cream days so I would sit with the moms and the kids would go play and I would just be able to get close with them and it was really cool like you go from being teacher to being like a community member with them it's like a breaking down of barriers beautiful like I feel like you both kind of take your character mode off you're in teacher character and they're in parent character but once you break down that wall you're just both being a person exactly it shifted everything for me yeah I learned a lot of parenting from my room moms Oh, me too. I would always be like, what did you do? And like collecting those pieces of advice already shaping me as a parent and and as a teacher. Yes. Puts everything in perspective for me. And then at my next school where there was really no parent involvement, I would often have parents come to me very heated about something. And just by like listening and being like, oh my gosh, I had no idea this was going on. I'm mad too. Like, I don't want your child to feel X, Y, or Z at school. Like, and then immediately they would like soften and I mean they're coming to you with emotion it's anger but you just meet them where they are and you're like no same team like I want to figure this out like let's go sit down and have some coffee they're just like oh like they feel heard and seen and that's all we want as parents you know we want somebody that's looking out for our kid when we can't be with our kid it's really impactful I don't know it makes me really happy that you're doing that it makes me sad that your mom felt that way but obviously she had a daughter that then that shaped you you as a professional and how you engage with your parents and I think that that's really cool. It has shaped me in so many ways because I do see similar situations now at a school where I don't get to interact with parents at all except for the ones that are like my kids friends parents but just feeling like I can see my mom and a lot of these moms like how are we making them feel comfortable to join us in the conversation for their kids and like especially with COVID that was so complicated because we weren't allowed to have parents on campus and now there are other rules about having parents on campus and what should that look like in the future and how can we make them feel welcome is a big question mark yeah we have to have a karaoke party we have to it's a good strategy maybe the u.s department of education just needs like a mass karaoke party we just karaoke till it's better i think that would be a wonderful idea at a sushi bar hell yeah (laughs) 
Ashley, I think like what you're doing, bringing this educational knowledge to parents in a very accessible way, coupled with your work as an interventionist in your daughter's school, you're bringing parents into the conversation, parent to parent, you're just doing so much good and you're bringing so much positive energy into the education world. And I'm so happy to like have this time. Do you have any like advice for any teachers? Maybe future teachers, current teachers, whatever. Past teachers. People thinking about being past teachers. (laughs) People on their way to work. People with their finger hovering over that send button. I think that from my experiences in rejoining the teacher force, you know what you're doing. Don't have that self-doubt that you can't go back because too much time has passed or because people won't accept you or, you know, teaching is supposed to be a job that is conducive to maybe starting a family where you could leave and come back or taking breaks for medical needs or something else but there is always this feeling like oh I'm not enough or I'm gonna have to contend with the ghost of pre-mom teacher who was really epic but now I can't give that much anymore because I don't want my kids to get leftovers of me I want to be able to give them the best of me when I get home I think that there are places for you to go in and use your skills and you still have those skills and they can just be hibernating for a while and they can come out in different ways you're so needed and I also one of the things I was worried about was like would the other teachers want me would they accept me as part of their team as this person who's been out or expected an interview like to be asked like why did you leave for so long no one cares people are excited teachers love teachers we want to meet other teachers we want to be friends with other teachers and when you come in there with a positive attitude and you're willing to be a part of a team and take work off somebody else's plate and share resources and just be a positive person like you're gonna find your teacher family even if you think your last school is the best oh well your new school could be full of friends too but I was nervous about going to my new school and I thought like nobody's gonna like me and I'm not gonna make any friends and then I have like this group of teacher besties at my new school and it's really it's given me a lot that I didn't have as a mama Like, I missed that part of me. Wow. One of the dope things about education is that, like, there's essentially unlimited school. There's so many different ways to teach. Like, it's not like you work in, like, plant-based IT or something where there's, like, three companies that do it. So if you have a bad situation at one, you're just kind of screwed. There's so many different types of school, types of learning environments, so many different ways to engage that, like, if teaching is what you're about, even if you leave, even if you want to come back, there's always going to be a plethora of opportunities and situations available. I'm crying because it gave me like it's just I don't know it hit where you needed it to hit yeah I've never cried on the podcast before this is the first time oh my gosh I don't even know what what we said that triggered this I want to know more I want to I don't know I think there's this fear like when you leave like she is my dream right now like I've always wanted her and at the same time I've always wanted to be a teacher and these things feel like they can't exist in the same lifetime but they can and they will. I think that's why like I've always been like really drawn to you because you have done both so beautifully and so successfully and I just hope that like your journey is the journey that I end up on you know. We're all gonna cry. I love being a woman. (laughs) I love being a woman. (laughs) The way that we're all crying. No but like I really mean it. It just means so much to me that like you took the time to like come and talk with us today because I feel like your experience is something that so many of us 
are afraid to take the leap to do. And I don't know. It's just really wonderful. So I'm really thankful for you. And yes, I love being a woman. Somebody was like, tag somebody who makes you love being a woman the other day. And they tagged me and you redacted. And I was like, fuck. Wait, where? Um, send it to uh, me. Why don't you send me these things? I'll find it. So that's why I think I'm crying. That is so emotional and beautiful. My child's like, what's wrong with you? No, it's important for her to see you cry because it is okay to cry for everybody, grownups and kids. And it, it humanizes us as grownups and teachers. So true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so completely honored to be on here. I don't ever consider myself to be a funny person, so it's just really cool to be in this funny sandwich and be funny associated. You are funny. <laughs> so you have the most important funny feature is that you know how to laugh because a lot of people don't know how to laugh and that makes them the worst. Amen. If you're one of those people listening, you can grow. So I'm just saying this to inspire you and light a fire under your ass. <laughs> Thank you. That literally means so much to me though. I would say that's my number one talent is just making something boring she's so funny for real Ashley you've been amazing though and I'm also like nerding out a little bit because I taught early head start for like five minutes at just the resources that you make and how you make it like so easy for parents to engage I think it's something that's so needed because it's so intimidating to try and create your own stuff to engage with your spawn thank you this means the world to me and thank you to all of our listeners this is like an actually inspiring episode this is a fucking good episode rate this shit if you didn't like this episode take a hard look in the mirror <laughs> also join us on patreon where you can give us your money for some stuff i'll let <laughs> our business manager explain the rest we did as you can tell launch a very new patreon we have no idea how to explain that to you but we are having a little gals night in at the end of february for everyone who signs up for our patreon in the first month get your cute little hiney over there hr has entered the chat um if you have ever been at home and you're like wow i'm so bored and alone it'd be way cooler if i had some kind of awkward people from the internet on zoom with me with some other random people i don't know this is the opportunity that you have been waiting for also we're gonna record some patreon only episodes that are gonna be more of like an overshare vibe oh, yeah. about like our love lives our childhoods our trauma redacted made a list the list literally says abusive relationships question mark might be too heavy but i'm down it literally says i'm down the end that really was just the long-winded outro love you guys bye love you guys Just as a disclaimer, because I am someone who is actively teaching, everything on this podcast is my personal opinion and does not reflect my district, my state, my employer, my students, or my admin. Everything on this podcast was recorded on personal time, on personal equipment, and is a completely separate endeavor from my school district. Yeah, leave her alone. <laughs> <laughs>